0: We're located in the market media building it's located at 203 east college avenue sweet c in divine texas plus if you need to get any other information from the church you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org that's calvarydivine.org here's today's teaching alrighty so i'm pastor mike Petit. welcome to calvary chapel divine we're going to go ahead and pray and get started as we dive into the introduction to the book of daniel let's pray father god we thank you so much for uh Today, we do ask Lord just for uh, your uh the Holy Spirit to help us to understand uh how to uh, not only uh, pull the context of scripture out of the book of Daniel to not only look at it through uh through the bible and and not to try to to a Jesus where we try to add our own opinions to it or our our own thoughts to it but we just look at the context as uh as as joe would say context is king and uh, we need to to seek application this is a a wonderful book but it has a lot of uh a lot of criticism as well as the book of genesis and the book of revelation Uh, that you know we believe that the word of god is inerrant that it's uh, without error and so as we, we study tonight, I, I pray that that's the one thing that we do receive, is that we know who the author of the book is. We know uh, the time of when the book was written. Uh, so I just pray, Lord, for those that are are um, watching online and for those that are here. I know that some had uh, some car trouble today, and, and so we lift that up to you as well. And uh, we just pray, Father God, for for the marriages, for the families, uh, and, and for those that... Uh, uh, that are here and those that are watching. Lord, bless their lives and allow them to be with you, to strengthen their relationship with you. And uh, we thank you so much just for all that you're doing here um, in the church. And and uh, we just lift up this day to you and we ask these things in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So um, I want to thank those that went out. We had some people that went out and helped out. We've had people help out with uh, the food, the food bank. Uh, they did that on Monday and what was really cool was they actually brought the high school students out to help uh, Which is wonderful and then uh, but they do need help So I'll let y'all know when the next one's gonna be I think it's the first Monday of every Every month and so uh, I'll get kind of give you a heads up when we get about two weeks out uh, To let y'all know uh, they for this volunteers. They need to be there at 7 uh, the registration is done, um, I think you can do it online, and it, that makes it quicker. They start lining up, I think, at 830, um, but they, they, they don't, they have plenty, and they also allow one of the things that Teresa found out, there was a man that was picking up for 11 families, so, you know, if you know somebody that's in need or somebody that may not be able to drive, um, you know, that's, you can, do, you know, it's a great way to help out, and so... Uh, and then also we've had somebody help out with the Divine Food Pantry as well. It's another place that they need need help. So just keep those in prayer. And we got the Cactus Fest coming up pretty soon. So tonight we're going to be in uh, the Book of Daniel, kind of looking at um, some things that are important before we dive into the book itself. And 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 I'll, I'll kind of go over and it's, when you when I go over some of these things, I, I pray that. If, if you're offended, I'm sorry. Because we've got to talk about a biblical worldview. And, and sometimes that offends people. And, and so I, I, I truly believe as we look, because when we deal with the first six chapters, I need you to start walking in a biblical worldview before you can move to chapter 7. That's the whole point of the book. In order for you to understand the rest of the book, you need to be able to walk in a biblical worldview. And so we'll go over that, and so it may get a little bumpy, but uh, hopefully y'all, you know, take it with a little grace, a little you know pinch of grace with it, and and uh, and 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 just let let you know that it's it it, it hit me kind of hard this week too as I was looking at it. Um, so the book of Daniel, Daniel actually means God is my judge. That's what the, the name means. And, and it is probably one of the, I think, the three books that get the most critical uh, arguments by theologians and by atheists are the book of Genesis, the book of Daniel, and the book of Revelation. Um, and, and so Daniel is one of those books that, that deals with uh, very precise predictions. And then also deals with future predictions It dealt with the Messianic prophecies. It it actually, and when we get to that, it it actually gives the exact day of when Jesus was going to come in on on Palm Sunday. Um, uh, You know, and we talked about that in the book of Nehemiah and and, uh, the year of Disan. And so we'll get into all of that as well. But again, what happens with the book of Daniel is there's a lot of critics that... Uh, spent a lot of time trying to, uh, to put the book under fire. And they're unfortunately, they're liberal theologians. And it's funny that that's the name that they use for it. But that's what they're known for. And, and, and so they have, uh, you know, spent time and, and they we'll, we'll get into some of it because some of them believe that Daniel's not the author of the book. Some of them believe that the, the, it was written after the events happened. And, uh, and so the, all of that is not true uh, because then the Bible wouldn't be true. Uh, the book of Daniel, actually, as we, the, the importance of prophecy is one fourth of the Bible is prophecy. And so that's why understanding prophecy is a big deal. And Jesus spoke about that. And so, and, and, and the book deals again with a, a, a biblical worldview, but it also deals with the prophetic and, and so Daniel and, and Revelation go hand in hand. So when, when you're in, uh, when I went to Liberty, we taught, uh, when we learned uh, for our seminary, we learned the book of Daniel and Revelation at the same time. We, we actually had a class and they, were, they, they go hand in hand. Um, and, and so we have to understand too that as when we look at the book God doesn't live in space and time, okay? He, he's eternal. He doesn't live with a past or a present. So we, we, we may have a hard time trying to grasp some of these things, but remember, He's God, and we're not. Uh, the main emphasis is, is the prophecy of Jesus Christ. Whenever we see any prophecy, He's the main ingredient for the Scripture. And He says that in Luke chapter 24, verses 13-35. through 35. Let's read this. And, and y'all know the story well. It was after the, the crucifixion and, and the resurrection, and the two men are walking uh, on a, uh, named Emmaus, and uh, the village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem It's in Luke chapter 24, and it's in verse 13. And it says, "The very two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem." And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas said, answered him, And are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to, to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned uh, to death and crucified him. But we, hoped he had, uh, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. See, again, there always, their thought was always that there was going to be a king to overthrow Rome. Okay, same thing with us. We are not expecting the king to come in and overthrow the White House. We need to stop with that, okay? We have a God who's allowed this to happen. We need to be praying for our leaders. It's mixed up, and, and, and maybe there's things we don't agree with, but we need to be praying for all of our leaders. God has put them in that place, and, and, and if they're doing things that are wrong, We need to ask the Lord to bring that to light and not only bring it to light, but to judge. You know, I I really believe at the end of the day that it's truth that that needs to happen. But again, they were seeking a Redeemer that was going to be a king to overthrow Rome. And and I believe that's what a lot of people feel like should happen now, and that's not what's going to happen. When the second coming of Christ comes, he comes as a lion, he comes to judge. And so the, the, the whole purpose of us looking at Scripture is to remind us every morning you wake up could be the day. It could be Judgment Day for you. It's that simple. It could be your last day here on earth. That's how we should live our life is we should live our life as, as, as Christ-like the moment we put our feet to the floor. And start the day. But it says in verse 21, But he had hoped that they, uh, that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now a third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed amazed us. And they were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seeing a vision of angels, and who said that, they, uh, that he was alive. And I love that God elevated women and, and the Scripture. Jesus did that. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but he, uh, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow to heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now when he's talking about all the prophets, Daniel's one of them that he's speaking about. And Daniel is quoted quite a bit in New Testament, including by Jesus. And we'll look at that. In verse 26, it says, Why was it necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And he says, In the beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. When we look at prophecies, we look at the prophets, it's, it's all concerning Jesus. We need to remember that. It's to set up the Messiah. It's to set up His second return. Everything that's happening that we see, the one world order and all the things that we're seeing happening in the, in the world today. You know, it's, it's part of it. And I love that, you know, he reve- when He reveals to him that... Uh, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going farther, but they urged him to, to strong, uh, strongly stay, uh, saying, with, uh, saying, Stay with us, for it was towards the evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them, and when he was able to, uh, was at the table with them, he took bread, and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And I love the, the next verse, is something that should happen to us when we open the scriptures. Then they said to, to each other, "Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to, uh, uh, talk to us on the road while he opened to us the scriptures." And so as we look at Daniel, Daniel uh, is, is we're going to get to that prophecy where the exact day on Palm Sunday where Jesus comes in. Uh, their prophecy of the Olivet Discourse. You know, and we'll get to that when we get to the book of Mark in uh, Mark chapter 13. We'll have to actually break that down. And uh, Olivet Discourse is is just the name given to uh, the, the extended teaching that Jesus gave on the Mount of Olives that deals with end of times. So if Jesus taught on it, how important should it be to us? It should be. But I believe, unfortunately, for some, it's not. So it's important for us to recognize that Jesus' uh, teaching in the Olivet Discourse is a reference to Israel and not the church, but Christ was speaking to, of God's future program of Israel. And uh, other passages uh, to consider when studying in the Olivet, Olivet Discourse, you, you see some of that in the book of Daniel in chapter 9, verses 24-27. through 27. And also, again, in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verses 1 through 19. And they refer to the future of the seven-year seven period called the tribulation. Now, remember, we talked about the pre we're pre-trib. That's what we believe. We believe the church is going to be taken up, and we won't be here for that. Because I, and we went over that in Scripture. You know, why would Jesus leave the, the church here to be beaten up? No, He wouldn't do that. So, the author of, of, of the book of Daniel. Now, this is where we get into some, believe it or not, where there's been some uh, back and forth over who uh, actually wrote this. But we know that the book of Daniel was written by Daniel. Jesus actually mentions it in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. But in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, it says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived the books the number of years that according to the word of the lord to jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolation of jerusalem namely 70 years and then again in daniel chapter 10 verse 2 in those days i daniel was mourning for three weeks now hebrew scripture actually when the hebrew bible is broken up it's broken up into the law Uh, The major and minor prophets in the writings. And for some reason they stuck Daniel in the writings. But in our Bible, it's a major prophet. Um, But again, Jesus did speak on, on Daniel in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. It says, See when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place. Let the reader understand. So, even though in the Hebrew Bible they had Daniel as writings, Jesus said he was what? A prophet. A prophet. And he also refers back to Daniel. So people question the authorship of Daniel and, and his prophecies. And a lot of those, again, are, are liberal scholars that uh, try to destroy the credibility of the, of the Word of God. And, and, they, and they hide themselves being theologians. And, and you know it's it's sad because that's the the they claim the book is fiction they claim the 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 prophecies that were foretold were written after uh and and so there's there's evidence that that goes against that and and so one of the, one of the things that we do know is that uh he did everything he could do to prove that this book was written in about 165 bc and so there was a guy named Porf- Porphyria, or Por. Porfiry. I knew I was going to get that wrong because that's, my, that's another thing. But it, he lived in two, 233 A.D. and then he wrote books on theism, uh, and, and it embraced many gods. And so what he did is he targeted Daniel. And some of those who actually took those writings and based on those writings tried to mess with the date and say that it was written after Daniel after Daniel, after the events happened. And it may not have even been written by Daniel. Now, if we go by that, then what happens? The book is with error. What are we doing here? Right? And we know the Bible is without error. We know who the author is. We can look at biblical archaeology, and it shows us that. Uh, In biblical archaeology, they actually found... um, and, and I'll probably mess this name up big time. It's Nebo Sar- Sar- Sarsakim. And it's a little tablet I found about that big, a rock. And it has on there, it was found actually in Baghdad. It's funny how they tried to destroy all the biblical artifacts too. During the war, they were doing everything they could to destroy biblical artifacts. And guess what? They didn't need ISIS to do that. There are archaeologists that are doing that now and in the 1960s late 70s we started having liberal archaeologists and if they found something that was from the bible they would destroy it and that does happen i learned that in my biblical archaeology class they caught people doing that stuff if you ever want a, a, a good website i think it's biblical biblicalarchaeology.org, i believe and if i'm wrong i'll, I'll, I'll correct it on sunday but we had, they have great little 20-minute episodes and stuff, and they go over things that have been found in the Bible that people say, oh, they didn't exist. Well, that thing that was found is actually listed. His name is actually listed in Jeremiah 39.3. And so he was one of the officials for the king of Babylon with Daniel. And linked it up you see that's why it's and, and, and when we look at that in, in that record it, it chronicles for the years of 605 and 595 bc and so the the so-called second deportation the first being 605 bc when daniel and his companions were taken to babylon and the tablet was found in babylon so it kind of gives us the date from that and people were saying before that was found it doesn't exist Daniel's not a real person it was written by some ghostwriter, I guess is what they thought you know or, and, and there was questions about some of the people that were in Nebuchadnezzar's um, that, that served under Nebuchadnezzar as well and their names show up as well you know it's, it's not just biblical archaeology but archaeology the stuff you're able to go through history and find it's, it's like um, and I hope I get this right it's, it's like when, when Daniel actually um, starts to, and we'll get in this when we get into chapter 2, and he, he, the statue, and he starts breaking down the different empires and how they're going to fall. Well, the, uh, one of the, the great historians, and uh, he went out and showed that to, um, to Alexander the Great, and Alexander the Great didn't destroy the, the temple because of it. And, and so, you know, and, and because everything that Daniel said had happened. Everything. And so the other thing that brings evidence is the Dead Sea Scrolls, which I'm sure you all have heard of those. Now, most of you all may not know that part of Daniel was written in Aramaic because that's what the Babylonians uh, spoke. And it's very similar to Hebrew. Uh, there's a lot of similarities to it. And so, uh, you know, as we look at those things, it's, it's very important to understand that when they had the original uh, scrolls, they were all in Hebrew. So they couldn't really date them. But in the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found Aramaic. So that means they had to have been written earlier because those were the earliest, uh, the earliest uh, transcriptions of the, of the, the book and so it, it actually pushes the dates back again you know it, it continues to line up with that date so biblical archaeology will always you know you say there's nothing there it'll something shows up it always does so what what i was talking about is actually the fulfillment of of the the fall that daniel actually predicts he, he predicts the uh, the babylonian fall the the Medo-Persian uh, fall, and then, he, and then it's the, uh, the Greek, and then the Romans, and then we'll get to the other prophecies that deal with future. You know, it deals with the Antichrist and, and uh, the abomination of desolation, and we'll get into all that stuff. Uh, and so one of the things that's very important is so when we see Daniel chapter 7 and 8, uh, people will argue about the, falls and the fall of the empire, and they'll actually say, well, he wrote that after. Because it's too precise. There's actually a theologian named W. Sibley Towner Daniel. So Daniel Towner Sibley. Do not read his commentary. If you see it, just... Because I'll read to you what he says. And, And you can ask yourself, well, should I read any further of it? Because if this is what he believes... This is why it's important whose commentary you read... Okay, just because it's commentary, don't mean that it's it's a good one. This is what he said, and he says when we need to assume that the vision, and he's talking about Daniel chapter seven verse eight, and Daniel seven and eight, we need to assume that the vision as a whole was a prophecy after the fact. This is a biblical theologian. Just that statement alone says that the Bible has error. Because human beings are unable to accurately predict future events centuries in advance and to say Daniel could do so even on the basis of symbolic revelation uh, granted to him by God and interpreted by an angel is so to fly in the face of of the certainties of human nature. So what we have here is in fact not a road map of the future laid down in the 6th century BC but an interpretation of the events after the fact. If you got that book at home, you need to just throw it in the trash. Because basically what he's saying is like, God can't give somebody a vision? What kind of God are you serving? Right? And, and at the end of the day, it's like, you're basically saying that the Bible is not true because it was written after the fact that the vision didn't come from God. This is a biblical theologian liberal they're out there you need to understand that they're you know david guzik's good chuck smith's good warren worsby john MacArthur. you know i i I, i've I've told y'all you know just remember when you when you go to certain ones if they believe in calvinism you need to understand when you get to those parts of elect it's going to be different than what we believe but they still have good commentary not against them. I, I just think they. I mean, John MacArthur is really good. But you need to be careful who you pick, because this guy, you can buy him on Amazon right now. Commentary on the Book of Daniel and the rest of the Bible. And, and so they're out there, and so we need to we need to be aware of that. And that's why I bring that up to you. You're gonna when we get into this, there's gonna be people that oh that's not what I you know and so we need to know Daniel was called beloved in Daniel chapter 10 verse uh, uh, chapter 10 verse 10 and 11 it says behold a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees and he said to me oh Daniel man greatly loved right greatly loved who else was referred to as beloved John (laughs) what book did he write book of Revelation you think that God's not planning this? You're, you're crazy. These two men, beloved, Jesus quotes Daniel. In John chapter 20, verse 2, it says, So she ran, and we went to Simon Peter and the other di- disciple and the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid them. These two books, these two men, both writing on future events both the books go hand in hand Um, and, and that's just not a coincidence that's God's plan unfolding before you there's so many things in this book not just on prophecy that's been proven proven that it would make I'm hoping if you're struggling with believing in the Bible that it will help you and strengthen you in understanding that, that man, God is sovereign. Right? God is sovereign. So, the book of Daniel shows us a, the, the main theme of it is it's, it shows us that, that God is supreme, He reigns over all and is working out His kingdom uh, program down through history. Now, how many of you are questioning this program right now? Right? Come on. I mean, we question it. What is going on? (laughs) Right? But we need to trust who our sovereign God is and that He's got everything under control. Everything's going the way it needs to go. According to what? Scripture. Not to your plan. Or mine. So the, the date of the book, the book of Daniel was likely written between 540 and 530 B.C. And then they went into exile as a young man at 605 B.C. when Nebuchadnezzar forced uh, Jehoiakim, who was one of the worst kings, out. And, and it's sad the way that... Uh, and and it, the book is, is a reminder to us, too, that, I mean, if you look at Jeremiah, he was warning them and warning them and warning them. And I believe that's what God is doing now. He's warning us. Judgment is coming. He's warning us. And so we need to, we need to wake up to that and, and understand that, like I said, when you get up in the morning, are you prepared? That day, the moment your feet touch the floor, that, that could be it. This could be your last day on earth. This ain't, not your home. And, and so when we look at these, these books, it's a it's reminder to us that our, our, our view should be on christ every day one of the key verses in the book of daniel is daniel chapter 4 verse 34 through 37 it says at the end of the days of my days nebuchadnezzar lifted my eyes to heaven and my my reason returned to me i i blessed the most high and praised and honored him who lives forever for his dominion is everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt the, and honor the king, the king of heaven. For all his works that are, at the, uh, are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride he is able to humble. This was a, a man who, didn't, who believed in many gods. Right? And was a leader of a nation. And then Daniel chapter 4, verse 17 says the sentence is by the decree of the watchers, and the decision by the word of the the holy ones, and to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will, and sets over it the lowliest of men. He gives it to who he will. That's what people are struggling with. But God's put them there. The people with the WHO or the people in China, you know, in North Korea, God's put them there. And we see everything lining up for a one world order, for a one world banking system. Everything's kind of moving in that direction. We're coming to the end of times. We're there. I mean, we're there every day. We're one step closer to it every day, but we're coming to it. And then finally, we see the, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. That's to be the last verse, and then I'll cover some other stuff. But it says, I saw in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man, Son of Man. and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting dominion which shall not pass and His kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. If you belong to Christ, that's your kingdom. That's what you should be looking forward to. Because I can tell you there's not a Democrat or Republican that can fix my problems. Okay? But Jesus can. We, We have to look at it that way. Uh, you know, and, and I we we have a tendency to to again, this is going to deal with a, a worldview based upon a biblical worldview. Is it important to vote and do all this stuff? Yes, all that stuff's important. I'm not saying just check out and well, Jesus will take care of all of it because he's in control. No, you still do your part that you've been called to do. So when we look at the outline of the book. Chapters 1 through 6 are considered the historical section. And this is very important because what we're going to get from chapters 1 through 6 is practical living. Living your life out as a Christian. You're going you're to understand that. And if you can't do that, you're going to struggle with chapters 7 and on. When we get to the Prophetic. You see, the, in those chapters, you're gonna, we'll see about Nebuchadnezzar and the, the dream next week. We'll deal with the whole book of chapter 1 um, as they're, they're pulled away and, and, and t- t- taken to Babylon. And then you'll, we'll read about uh, the fiery furnace and, and then the, Nebuchadnezzar's vision and humiliation and then eventually his restoration. That's what we just read. And then we'll see Daniel heading to the lion's den in chapter 6. And and so what is a biblical worldview? And this is very important because Daniel is serving in the government. Okay? This is this is why this book is... We were looking at doing the minor prophets, but I, I the Lord just put this on my heart. And as I'm looking at this book, I'm like, Lord, this is going to be a tough one. Um... But a biblical worldview is based on the infallible Word of God. When you believe the Bible is entirely true, then you allow it to be the foundation of everything you say and do. That's where people struggle. Someone with a biblical worldview believes his, his primary reason for existence is to what? love God and serve God and serve others. That's what we've been called to do. And so there was a, a survey that was done to ask the question, do you have a biblical worldview? And there are nine questions that you've got to answer. And I took the test this week myself. So the first one is, do, do, you, uh, do absolute moral truths exist? People are struggling with that one right now. You know? Is absolute truth defined by the Bible? Did Jesus Christ leave a sinless life? There's arguments about that now by theologians. It's crazy. It's crazy. If you study the Word of God, it's, it tells you in Scripture. Is God the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe and does he still rule it today? Is salvation a gift from God that can that cannot be earned? Is Satan real? Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ? with other people and is the Bible accurate in all of its teachings now every answer to that is yes but only 9% did that's a Barner survey only 9% of Christians answered yes to all of those That should scare you. What are we teaching in the church? What, what has caused the churches to, to muddy the water in their teachings? Are we Is it us? You know, because we're, if, we're, if we're teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, we should be teaching the context and not what our opinions are. And what happens is that causes people to their their biblical worldview becomes muddy as a Christian. It's like a bottle of water if I was to put you know dirt in it, you would see the particles of it and that's what happens to it. You start questioning things and so one of the things that we see is is Joachim uh, as we, we'll look at next week is, is actually the king of the last king of, of of judah at that time and he actually destroyed the word of god he burned it and and this is what happens to a a nation when they get further and further away from god further and further away from god let me tell you something else that's really scary is that you know um As we look at that survey, one of the things it talks about is that 61% agree that the that their spirituality is uh, or their faith is tied to new spirituality. Now, what does that mean? Because that's a you know that's, that can be a big subject, right? But they they kind of dove into it. 28% believe that the the people, uh, whether they're Muslim, Jehovah Witness, Mormon. Whatever they believe in, Buddhists, we all pray to the same God. That's not true. 61% of Christians believe that. Are living this type of spirituality. They also believe that if you do good, you'll receive good. Sounds a lot like Buddhism or Hinduism. Right? If you do bad to people, you'll receive bad. That's not true either. 54%. Believe in a postmodernist view. Now, what is that? A postmodernist view is an outlook that depends not on the things of the past, but the way that things are today. So, the Bible is not relevant to the subjects of LGBTQ, BLM. The Bible's wrong on those. That's what they believe. And they believe that truth is defined by who? Me. I define truth. That's the wrong teaching. But there's 54% of Christians that have that view. The big one. 36% now accept Marxism. 30%, 36% of Christians are accepting Marxism which Marxism is an atheist. He doesn't believe in God. And he talks about religion. There's a quote that he does, and he says that, that religion is the opium for the, for the people. It's just an addiction, something to satisfy them. Doesn't believe in God, and yet people are accepting that view. we have a Marxist trying to take over the bank. Trying to be put in right now to take over the bank. 36% of Christians are believing in this stuff. And there's nothing biblical in the Bible that supports it. And as far as Karl Marx was concerned, he doesn't want God anywhere around the things that he's teaching. Because when you believe in God, your eyes are open to what the devil is trying to put out, which is Marxism. Why do you think the the BLM movement had so much Marxism built into what they were pushing? They didn't want the, and I'm trying not to get too political here, I'm sorry. They didn't want to have, uh, they didn't believe in the nuclear family. So mom and dad, no, we don't want that. We believe in the LGBTQ and the trans community. They, they were steeped in Marxism. And, and so Christians have, and, and this has happened over the last three or four years. It's been going on. But over the last three or four years, people are falling left and right. Just like the Bible said. Just like the Bible said. Twenty-nine percent believe in, in secularism. So what is that? So secularism, as actually the research is, is a radical departure for evangelicals. So what they believe uh, when they embrace that is they believe that people are basically good, whether they, uh, whether whether they are, uh, whether their view is biblical or they're human having sin. So their sin nature is. Um, is something that they feel like it, it doesn't need to be um, that they define what their sin is. I guess is the easiest way to say it. And if it's okay or not. So what are you doing then? You're playing God. You start playing God, and 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 so what you see with secularism is you have uh, uh, the the biggest part of that is charismatic and Pentecostal and so half of them claim and, and here's, a, a, here's a good way to define secularism and this happened okay this just happened in our election uh, is abortion defined as sin killing a human is sin it's defined in the bible but yet they believe in secularism that it's okay it's okay. Um, they prefer socialism to capitalism. And they define themselves as born-again Christians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 says this, See to that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elements, the spirits of the world, and not according to the Spirit. We need to be rooted and built in Jesus. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Don't forget the things that you were taught. Keep walking in them. Don't allow the culture to dictate your Christianity. Christianity dictates what's happening. We should be dictating the church. And, and that's not what's happening. So we should, we should be not only studying the Word of God, but we should be growing in the Word of God. And through that, our hearts will overflow in thanksgiving and fullness and we'll, we'll be Christ-like and people will come to know faith because of it. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. You have to tell yourself, I don't care what the world is doing. I'm not going to allow it to squeeze and mold me. The only person that does that in my life is Jesus Christ. This is Warren Worsby. This is a quote from Warren Worsby. If the world controls our thinking, we are conformers. If God controls our thinking, thinking we are transformers. If we copy the behavior of the customs of, wor- of the world, we become a cheap imitation. And that's what's happening. If we let God transform us into a new person, we will be original creation of his. God transforms our mind and makes us spiritually minded by using his word. As we spend time meditating on God's word, memorizing and making it part of our inner selves, God will gradually make our minds more spiritual. We surrender our wills to God through disciplined prayer as we spend time in prayer we surrender our will to god and and pray with the lord not as i will but as you will and we must pray about everything and let god have his way in everything so we we need to actually start living practically for god every day we need to be transformers in this dark world and the last part is chapter 7 verse 12 so that we're going to deal with the first six chapters You're going to hear me talk about biblical worldview a lot. You're going to hear me share about Daniel serving in the government and saying no. Because I have a conviction from God. Okay? And it's very important. We'll talk about all that stuff. Chapter 7 through 12 deals, that's the prophetic section. And so we're going to gain understanding of end of times. Okay, we'll deal. With chapter seven, verses one to twenty-eight, deals with the vision and their interpretation, and then we have the Israel's prophetic history during the, the times of the Gentile in chapter eight through eleven, and then the prophecy of Daniel's seventieth week. And there's a lot of we'll deal with a lot of questions and stuff with that as we get into it in chapters eleven through twelve. And so history is is taking place right in front of us right now you know it's it's happening you open the you can open the, the the newspaper and you go man this is straight from the bible one world system straight from the bible and it's crazy the people that are participating in it and the religions the the religious groups that are starting to participate in it you need to be your eyes need to be wide open and you need to be busy doing god's work. Because he can show up at any time, right? And so that's why he tells us in Matthew chapter twenty-four, verses forty-eight through fifty-one. We'll finish up here. But if the wicked servant says to himself, "My master is delayed," and begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of the servant will come on the day when he does not expect him, and at that and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth you need to wake up to the fact that that jesus is going to return and all you christians with this secularism and all this stuff that you it's going to make you you're just going to fall further away and your witness for christ i've seen so many people ruin their witness for the lord people that had platforms and are pushing Marxism are pushing Christians pushing for abortion and, and, and oh we're supposed to love the LGBTQ well, yeah we do love them but they need to understand what the scripture says we can't just love them into hell right because that's what you're going to do if, they, if you don't be honest with them and say this is what God's word says This book is going to probably knock us around a little bit, okay? But I'm excited about it. I love it. I, I, I'm excited when I get into it. And so I hope, I mean, I, that was more of a, an introduction, but I hope it helps you as we get into the book to understand what it is that we're, <laughs> we're stepping into, right? But what a wonderful book to step into. So get ready. We're going to be bouncing between Daniel and Revelation a lot, okay? Okay? And, and so if you can kind of read chapter 1 before next Wednesday so you kind of have an idea of where we're going. And that's for you online, too. So let's go ahead and close out in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We do pray and just lift up this time that we had. We do pray, Lord. Uh, so many of us have been pulled away from stuff that, that has distracted us, whether it's online, whether it's these, these isms that are going around. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would draw us back to you. Uh, That we would understand that you could return at any moment. Uh, That that we should be looking at every day as judgment day. And and that we should live our life accordingly. That we should be Christ-like. That we should love others and serve others. But at the same time, that, that we can't do that if we don't have a biblical worldview. If we don't spend time in scripture. We don't spend time with you in prayer. And and Lord, I believe that each one of us, whether you're watching online, you catch it on the podcast, or you're here, I believe that there's something that each one of us need to work on. And I pray over the time that we're in the book of Daniel that you'll show us. And open our hearts and our minds as we get into chapter 7 and we start dealing with end times. Allow the Holy Spirit to teach each one of us. I know that some of these books scare people, Daniel and Revelation, because they... There's a lot of things in there that, uh, you know, that it, when he starts talking about end times and in, in Jesus' judgment, it, it's scary. But if you belong to Christ, you won't be here for the tribulation. Um, you, your sins are for, forgiven if you've repented and you've asked Christ into your heart. You won't be there when the gnashing of teeth happen. When the church is removed from this earth and we see the evil that really exists, how bad it is, we won't be here for that. But please, Lord, help us understand and help us live for you from this moment on. And and so I, I pray, Lord, give us a better understanding of what a biblical worldview is and show us the things that we need to work on. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen god bless y'all i hope y'all have a wonderful wednesday night i'll see you on sunday we'll be in the book of mark chapter 45 through 56 as jesus walks on water it's a wonderful wonderful and we're going to see the terrified disciples again just like i would be i would have been (laughs) terrified too but i hope to hope you come on sunday if you can make it at 10 o'clock if not you can catch us online god bless y'all y'all have a wonderful evening bye-bye Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.